the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be great to be together again, and we've got some great guests. The one and the only Conrad Black will be with us, hopefully. We'll get him on the phone and talk about uh, his his column, his recent column, which is running over at, uh, I think it's over at American Greatness. Yeah, it says, no one knows who won the election. That's about right. I think that's right. And we'll also talk with Daniel Alcott on the road in Trump's America, a book that I got sent to me, and I just loved it. It's in the, it's in the sort of um it's in the in the uh, mindset of the great revolt by selena zito about uh, going out into the heart of america it's very cool we'll talk with the author of that his name is daniel allett i hope i'm pronouncing that right before we get to all that let me get to what you need to know what you need to know what you need to know the wink daily wink by the way go to proamericareport.com proamericareport.com and check out every day all sorts of articles there i mean excuse me interviews there unbelievable guests all the program notes however also there you can sign up for the email the great wink email daily email happens in the morning goes out at 7 a.m central time so out on the west coast is 5 a.m if you're in san diego where the show originates if you're on the east coast eight o'clock everybody's getting it up to i think eighty thousand people that get that email so come on go to proamericareport.com and get in there all right uh now what's today's wink well don't take it from me Take it from what I would say is a strong, strong doubleheader, a strong doubleheader, a strong uh, double play combination. And that is Mark Levin and Ted Cruz. Earlier in the day, I spent uh, some time with Mark Levin and talked to him and then also Ted Cruz a few hours later. So here's what Mark Levin said. Mark Levin basically said, fight on, fight on. Mark Levin, fight you know Mark Levin is slash. Someone said afterwards he's a he's a uh, slice and dice guy. He doesn't really tolerate niceties. He doesn't. Uh, he actually stood up. There was a group of us, and he said, "It's great to be with you." I, all conservatives in the room, kind of a secret meeting of some conservatives, and he said, uh, "Half of you love me, and half of you hate me," which is really funny. It's true. Even in the conservative movement, half of the people you know don't like listening to Levin. I just here's what I tell you about Mark Levin. He's a great radio host. It's true. He's got his own. Some people don't love him, but he's really good. And as good a radio host as he is, I think he's actually a better lawyer. He's really sharp lawyer, worked in the Justice Department. He's he's really top notch lawyer. His books, when you read his books, that's not the work of a um, kind of uh, amateur who's just a broadcaster who likes to think about things. By the way, some of those are the best writers. Rush Limbaugh's books are phenomenal, but they're persuasive and they're common sense. Levin's books are really, he's really smart. I mean, he's really smart. So Levin, basically, Mark Levin today said, it's time to fight on. Now, he said, the republic hangs in the balance. You better not mess around. Anybody who says, ah, well, my principles say that this is a fight for the future of the republic. He said, was saying something about, you know, people are saying, well, the, the principles here are one in terms of the law and all. And, and Levin's point is, yeah, we got to work with the Constitution, the rule of law, but we got to fight, got to fight. 
And he actually was addressing a group of people, some of whom had opposed Trump at the beginning. Now all of them are with Trump. And so Mark Levin said, let's fight. He fight on. So that's the first thing, you know, second thing is Ted Cruz got got together, same group and was talking and Ted took some questions from us. I visited with him afterwards and Ted, Ted Cruz got into some of the details. He said, look, you know, you got to get some breaks in a case like this. You got a legal argument that's got to get some breaks. Well, that's the breaks that are coming today. Earlier, you may have heard it. You won't see much coverage in the mainstream media. I'm going to cover it tomorrow at, at greater length. But what we have is a couple of lawsuits, Michigan and Pennsylvania. But now we have more exposure, more um, uh, people coming forward to say, yeah, something significant, systematically wrong. Not widespread. The, the media likes to say, is it widespread? Well, it doesn't have to be widespread. It has to be targeted and it has to be systematic. And so we're getting to the bottom of it. And my point here is Ted uh, Cruz, he's impo- he's incapable of saying um, things that he doesn't know. And I, I know it sounds funny, but he, when he says something, he knows what he thinks. He knows what he means. And he says it with great authority. By the way, it doesn't mean he's always right, but he, he really most of the time he is. And what he was saying was, yeah, there's definitely instances of fraud. Yeah, it looks like there's some funny business going on. But, you know, you still got to build the case. And what I've been telling you is you have to build the case in court. That's true. But you also have to build the case in the court of public opinion. And more and more of the media is trying to shut us down. I've told you that before, right? They're trying to shut down the conversation and trying to make us say, well, concession. Yeah, that's American tradition to concede. I don't think so. Surrender is not an American tradition. Losing is not an American tradition. It doesn't mean that you don't have to do some of those at some point, although I don't remember surrendering much, but certainly uh, in individual battles. But the point here is it's not in the Constitution to concede. And back to Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz said it's completely within the realm of possibility of what he's seen. It's not easy. It's a hard challenge. You know, you're always and, and the power of the media. Ted Cruz was, you know, talking about that at length. Now, he did talk about Georgia as the, you know, the, the sort of uh, big battle now. And I'll tell you, I'm getting a little frustrated with everybody talking about Georgia because Georgia's election is January 5th. It looks like both of the candidates on the Democrat side are very far left. One is a far left kind of uh, liberal elite Ossoff. The other is an African-American man who's like a Jeremiah Wright supporter. And while that may fly in some places in Georgia, I don't think most of Georgia wants to go with that. So I, I don't I, and I don't want to worry about that until we get through this period. This this period of time is set aside by the founders to get to the bottom of the election. And by the way, and people say, oh, this is unheard of. It's not unheard of. 1876, there was so much fraud that they actually didn't seat electors from a couple of states, and therefore the thing went to the Congress. The point is, there is a check and a balance on the fraud if the fraud is so significant. And I'm not saying it is yet. All I'm saying is get to the bottom of it. Oh, here's one more thing. Levin, who's a fighter, you know, said he's already been in touch with the state legislative leaders in the key states like uh, up in Michigan and Wisconsin, other places, because ultimately, if there is real fraud, if we find that the fraud makes it puts in doubt uh, what has happened, then the state legislatures under the Constitution, which I've read to you a bunch of times, and so did Mark Levin when he was talking, he referred to it. The Constitution is very clear. The Constitution is very clear. Each state shall appoint, Article 2, Section 1, Paragraph 2, each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislative therefore may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives. Did you notice what it says? Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature therefore may direct 
Not the governor, not the secretary of state, not the U.S. senators, not the congressmen. In fact, the uh, the leg- state legislature is supposed to do it and make sure that there's no senators, no congressmen, nobody holding an office in the under the United States that goes into those electors because they don't want them to be, you know, able to be uh, uh, insiders and swamped up. So Levin said he's already talked to state legislators. I can tell you I have too. state legislative leaders. If you and again, I, I, at the end of the program, I'm going to tell you very important. I, you, stick with me for maybe I'll preview it now. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. There's two things I'm asking everybody to do today. One is phone a friend, phone a friend. And the other is show up somewhere on Saturday, November 14th. So what am I going to be phone a friend? Not actually phone a friend, but phone a Republican elected official of any level and ask him or her to stand out publicly, whether it's through a statement, Twitter, whatever, and say, I stand with President Trump. Every legal vote should count. And I say all state legislators, legislatures should audit the vote in these in these contested states. Let's get to the bottom of it. That's number one. Number two is on, on Saturday, November 14th. I want you to get to someplace. If you can go to a rally at noon, I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. for the big rally. Hundreds of thousands of people. I'm one of the organizers. Stop the Steal, it's called. And if you go to hashtag Stop the Steal, you'll see it. It's awesome. And uh, And so here's my thing is, you know, whatever you're doing... This weekend, just take an hour and be seen, be seen, get your Trump flag, Trump hat, something, because we have to encourage each other because the media is pounding us. So I was encouraged today to see Mark Levin and see Ted Cruz and talk to them and hear them. I'm trying to encourage you. Be strong, be energized, be ready. And it's very simple. We just want the system to be honorable and work right. And if it does, good, perfect. We expect that, right? That's what we expect. We'll get to it. If we get to the end, we say we'll accept that. We get to the end. I think we might find some chaos and some things that don't look right, but we'll do that. We'll get to the end. So that's what I'm asking you to do. Come back and come back on the program here and, and listen to the window, the end of the wink, uh, excuse me, the end of the show, what you need to do. And I'll tell you that. And and uh, but but stick with me. And uh, more importantly, be energized, fortified, excited. Don't get down. It's a great time. Great time to be alive. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with Conrad Black, Lord Conrad Black, great writer over at AmericanGreatness.com. He's got a piece up. And then also Daniel Allett, Allett, who is an author, wrote a book, On the Road in Trump's America. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thank you for listening. Get excited. We'll talk again in a minute after this break. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You all know, my listeners know, uh, Daniel. Our next guest is Daniel Allott, who is an author. I love books. I love to get books and read books. I devour them. And the great thing is I get to read books. And if I don't like them, I don't have to announce it on the air. I just don't invite the person on to interview. And so this is another book from the Republic Book Publishers, which I was actually at an, uh, an event with Al Regnery earlier today. He's one of the founders of this, uh, of this, organiz- of this publisher. And uh, they have some great books out. So Daniel Allott's book is called On the Road in Trump's America. And Daniel, I have to tell you, I love Selena Zito. She did the book, The Great Revolt, which is sort of a journalistic slash political entry into this kind of field. But I I thought this book that you wrote was needed for a while. And I'm kind of I'm I'm surprised it took the publisher so long to get here because it's exactly what we needed. Somebody go in and hear who are these people? What's going on? So first of all, Daniel, how did you 
get to write. Daniel Allott is the name. His book is called On the Road in Trump's America, A Journey to the Heart of a Divided Nation. came out about six or eight, six weeks ago. Um, how'd you get to write this book, Daniel? Well, uh, it started out as a project with the Washington Examiner, my former employer. And then I, I, I really wanted to, to, to go full time. And so I uh, actually left my position at the Examiner and just sort of did it on my own. I wanted to get uh, a better idea of what was going on in the country after the 2016 election. And so I spent, you know, three years uh, on the road in nine counties uh, across nine different mm-hmm. states and lived there and reported from these places and got to know the people really, really deeply. And, and I think because of that, I got to a little bit deeper of uh, understanding about some of these places than, than a lot of reporters would, would be able to get. That's a lot of time, Daniel. You got you got a wife and kids, or you got a significant other and kids or anything, or no? Actually, I'm single, so that helps. Okay, that helps. There you go. Okay, good. That explains <laughs> it. Uh, but I've got to tell you, I wish you had a camera crew. Did you get to, Next time, take your buddy who's a uh, amateur camera and, and, and shoot some video. Did you get much video? You probably did some, right? We did. In fact, my brother, I have a twin brother who's a filmmaker, and, oh. and when oh. we were doing uh, the first year with the examiner, we did a lot of video, but then funding uh-huh. dried up, and, and basically for a year oh. and a half, I was out there on my own freelancing. And I think this is the type of reporting that we need more of. And I remember after the 2016 election, a lot of media outlets promised to do better at reporting from middle America and get a better idea of, of Trump voters, for instance. And then they kind of dropped the ball, and it didn't happen. I think we found out with all the predictions being off, all the pollsters and all the pundits getting this election wrong for the most part, that they didn't do that job. They didn't fulfill that pledge of reporting from the entire country and spending the resources necessary to do that. Well, and I'll, I, I'll tell you a quick uh, a quick story, and uh, and um, and uh, uh, so I, I should be quick. But right after the election, I went to Hollywood. I talked my way into a meeting with a big uh, agency um, partner who he was a, a former Marine and a conservative guy. And I said something like, you know, one of these uh, you know one of these channels should pay to have a have it a, like a um, a reality show where two people, I said, like a guy and a girl, go into these places. In fact, I joked. I, I had it laid out. I, I got a motorcycle, right, and go and a sidecar and have a, you know, a woman and a man and go in and, and shoot it. And, 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 the, and he finished. He's like, that's a great idea. I love it. He's like, here's the thing. I'm a salesman. I sell products. You have a great product. Nobody wants to buy it. That's what he told me. He said mm-hmm. in Hollywood, you know, in all the and I said, no, no, but like, they just proved that half the country like Trump. He won the election. He's like, yeah, I'm just telling you, I don't see where they buy it. So to your point. All right. Now, I, I don't want to tell talk about me, even though that's what every radio host does. But so Daniel Allen <laughs> now uh, the elections, the election is passed. It's not over. But in the book, I noticed at least once and I sorry I didn't make a note. You had gotten back in touch with someone asking, how do you think Trump did on the pandemic? And they were unhappy. And I want to ask you you broadly I, you know a year or two a year ago i don't think you could have well you know trump used to say it or they used to say it about it, shoot somebody on fifth avenue and nobody would care but i i wonder now that we see the elections so many candidates down below him they won because of the republican vision america first and all things and he paid a price do you think it was the coronavirus that was the war, that was a part of that I think that was part of it. Among the very few people who changed their minds about Trump over the three, four years that I that I studied, which was very few people, um, it was based more on his personality. And so those who came over to his side who didn't vote for him in 16 but planned to in 2020, you know, it was because of his policies and the fact that he was very clear about what he wanted to do. And he, for the most part, he fulfilled a lot most of his campaign promises, which is 
which is, you know, not not very uh, common for politicians to do. But among those who, who did vote for him before and ended up not voting for him this time, it was based on their their uh, perception of his personality, his character flaws. And I think the man you were referring to was somebody who had voted for Obama, swung to Trump. And every every time uh, I contacted him over three years, he swung back and forth. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to vote oh. for him. I like some <laughs> of what he does. And then at the end, he said, look, I think he was lying on the pandemic. He wasn't telling us the truth. I'm going to go with Biden. Uh-huh. And I think, you know, maybe if, uh, there were a few, a few of those voters. We're talking with Daniel Allott, and his book is On the Road in Trump's America, A Journey into the Heart of a Divided Nation, out anywhere you buy books and get the book. I'm, I'm not asking you about, uh, as much about the book, but I'm, I'm interested in, in your perspective because of what you saw, because now you're out there for years and you're listening to Trump voters. Um, and Daniel, the, the one of the things that's clear is the Republican Party is shifted, right? It, it has moved, whether for good or not, is a different question. Um, and out there in America, Trump's America, people are really happy about that, right? I mean, there's a sense of joy amongst Trump supporters that's different than it's been in a long time. Well, he's somebody that is a fighter, and he has convinced millions of Americans that he's fighting for them. Even now, we see with all the the ballot counting and, and allegations of fraud. That's what he's doing. He's, he's conveying to his, his supporters, the tens of millions of people, that he is still fighting for them. And conservatives and, and a lot of people in middle America have longed for, for decades for, for uh, a leader, a Republican, who would stand up and fight for their values, who would fight back against the media, against the establishment. And that's what Trump represents. So for, for most of his supporters, any issues when it comes to his personality or, you know, character flaws pale in comparison to, to his willingness to, to listen to them, to stand up for their values, and to fight these institutions who a lot of people feel like have looked down upon them and mocked them, you know, Hollywood, the media. He stands up and fights back. Bush, Romney, McCain, they never did that. And so he's actually mm-hmm. fighting back. And people, they, they've just had this pent-up sort of anger at that and, 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 and appreciation for him for his willingness to do that. We're talking with Daniel Allett, uh, all out, Daniel Allett, uh, on the road in Trump's America, a journey to the heart of a divided nation. Uh, the book, his new book is out. Um, Daniel, what happens if Trump loses? I think it's a far way. It's, it's not over. But it, how do these people that believed in him so much? I mean, obviously, they're not burning down cities. That's a different set of subset of Americans. But what do you think happens? Well, I think for the Republican Party, um, I talked to some conservatives who think, OK, well, look, if we could just uh, obviously the, the, the Trump platform, America first, social conservatism is very popular. And I would agree with that, uh, especially with the mm-hmm. Democrats moving so far to the left. And if we can just get somebody in there who doesn't have some of those personality quirks, who's a, who doesn't tweet like, uh, like uh, Trump does, <laughs> then we could really win. Right. But I think this is what I found in talking to so many uh, Trump voters, including a lot of Obama Trump voters, is that they, they say – you know, they're, they're, uh, they support Trump, but not the Republican Party. And a lot of them would even mm-hmm. group the Republican Party in with the Democratic Party and the media as these institutions and entities that, you know, are fighting against Trump. And so I think if the Republican Party believes that they have, that, that they can take these Trump voters for granted, I think that they're wrong because a lot of them have, you know, not, never voted before or voted for Democrats like Obama. I think they're going to be freelancing and, and free agents, uh, you know, post-Trump. So they, they, they have their work cut out for them. 
It's, I, well, you know, Trump did an interview right after the 2016 election, and he was asked about something or he came around to this, and he said, I, I used Drain the Swamp in one of my rallies in October of 2016, he said, and I couldn't be, believe the response. And he said, and, and then and I used it the next night, and, you know, he loves using words and phrases, and he said the response was unbelievable, and he was marveling at it. I, you know, I think that there's a lot of that. Drain the Swamp, if you're an incumbent of any party, you, you, people just don't trust you at all. I mean, they just, and so I think, and I think that's one of the realities of, of the parties. On the other hand, a lot more Republicans did better down ballot than I than I expected. But Danielle Allot, the book, again, uh, uh, On the Road in Trump's America, what was the most surprising thing when you went out there and talked to Trump voters? What, you know, you come when you finish this, you go, man, that one thing or that aspect of this that really I didn't expect to see, is there something that, that jumps out at you? The, the, the level of distrust in the media, you know, I knew it was real. Um, but, you know, when I went out huh. and I'm coming from Washington, D.C., and just people's initial uh, reluctance to talk to me, to really open up. And that's, that was really the advantage of spending three years in these communities living, you know, with people in their homes, staying in their homes Mm -hmm. in some cases and coming back again and again is, you know, people's guards would come down over time. And I, and and I appreciated that, but yeah, people, when it comes to Trump and and his supporters and and the media, I feel like over time, it was sort of a, a boy who cried wolf dynamic where, you know, if everything that Trump does is terrible and horrible and impeachable, then yeah. <laughs> when he does something that may rise to that level, nobody will know because the media has lost so much credibility with the public <laughs> that they don't believe it. They, yeah. They've cried wolf too many times. And that's where we're at right now. There's so much distrust. Yeah. It's not that the people don't watch CNN and follow the New York Times. It's they just don't believe it. And and just the level of distrust was really something that, that uh, struck me. Well, and uh, one last question, Daniel Allot, I can't resist. Uh, on the Road in Trump's America is the book uh, out Republic uh, Press. I'll put it up on social media. Okay, but you're a journalist, and now you're an author, and you're. what comes next then? They keep watching CNN and don't believe it? They keep watching Fox and don't believe it? I, I mean, is there the next alternative coming, I mean, in terms of media? Well, I think the media needs to, to rebuild that trust, and it's going to take a long time. It's mm-hmm. not going to be you know, just a couple of years or a new administration, this is, and I think part of it in in my industry and, and, you know, being in newsrooms, we need to have more ideological diversity and geographic diversity in some of these outlets. Mm -hmm. Right now, most of them are, you know, the main quote unquote mainstream media seems to be very left wing, you know, New York times. How many Trump voters are among the editors and reporters at the times? Probably very few. How many people who grew up on farms or grew up in the Midwest there? Probably very few. They, you know, a lot of these outlets do a very good job of trying to be more diverse in terms of race and sex and these other things. But how about more ideological diversity and geographic diversity? Because then, you know, reporters can talk to each other. They can get a better idea of what's going on across the country. And if you're an outlet that claims to speak for the entire country, to be the paper of record, then you need to represent the values of the entire country as well. Yeah. All right. Well, Daniel, it's very interesting and a good book. And uh, I appreciate it. And I hope you get out there uh, and can and somebody will be smart enough to 70 some million people would watch to hear and see what's going on anyway and and read more about it. So on the road in Trump's America, a journey to the heart of divided nation. Uh, Daniel, thanks for being with us, sir. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.
Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is our old friend, Lord Conrad Black. And Conrad Black, of course, is an author, a historian. Uh, he's been the owner and uh, publisher of um, newspapers all over the world, uh, businessman, and uh, more importantly, in this context, a close observer of uh, President Trump and has written a book on President Trump, which is worth reading, too. Welcome back, Lord Black. What do you think? I'll get to your column in American Greatness, which uh, is um, uh, about two days old, but I'll put it up on social media. But before we get to this, specifics what's your feeling after this election what's your sense what's your sort of reaction well i'm not convinced that we know the result uh, you know i certainly mm-hmm. defer to genuine experts in the subject now i'm not I, don't, I can't dissect the polls in the different states that are very close but uh you know from what i saw of, of the whole process of sending a unsolicited ballots to the whole voters list and extending the the delays for the return of the ballots uh it it was an invitation to uh, considerable liberties with the spirit of uh, uh, you know precise and verifiable democratic uh, selection right. of, uh, of a candidate and and I just don't know what the proportions were and I don't think anyone does and I think that the efforts of the media most of the media to pretend that it's a uh, it's a, a you know a definite fact a fait accompli that uh, Biden has won is just of a piece with their extreme hostility to Trump over many years and they're spending three years wasting our time with them defamatory nonsense about the Russian collusion myth and so on and and uh, and you just don't know but I assume you mean what do I think of it on the uh, on the theory that Biden is the next president and uh, on that basis uh, luckily if he's if he won the election fair and square we all have to you know wish him well for the country and uh, uh, that still leaves President Trump at the head of by far the largest personal following anyone has had uh, in American politics since the very crest of the Obama time and Prior to that, I'd say probably mm-hmm. back to uh, back to President Reagan, but um, uh, it, it, you know, and it's a very divided administration, and it doesn't appear to have much talent in it. Although they certainly have some talented people they could bring into the cabinet positions, like Michael Bloomberg, for example. But uh, you know, I have no standing to say what they're going to do that way. But uh, it, to the extent they try and satisfy the left of that party, which is which is a big chunk of it, I hope the extreme left is not the majority, and I don't think it is, but Sanders was winning the nomination yeah. until the powers that be in that party stopped him. And uh, and to the extent that they try and satisfy the Sanders part of the party, they're going to be blocked by McConnell. And uh, right. I, I don't think the Democrats have any realistic chance of winning both Georgia Senate seats. And and even if mm-hmm. they did, they'd need the vice president to break the ties and it would be very tenuous. And they're not going to get the, the votes of people like Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia for extreme nonsensical ideas. So uh, they can't satisfy the left, <clears throat> which leaves them in a dissatisfied state, obviously. And and, they, and I don't see where there's any initiative on the part of the traditional or centrist Democrats. I don't see any leadership in there to produce a program that they could work out in the traditional way, uh, you know, the way LBJ did or JFK did or, or President Truman did or even President 
Clinton did with the, uh, you know, with with the with the reasonable Republicans, the centrist Republicans, and and um, which is which is most of them. And uh, so I, it doesn't look good to me. I don't think I don't you know I I think it's a questionable result, an unimpressive uh, uh, leader if 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 he wins at all, and uh, and a terribly divided party that has had nothing to say except we hate Trump and uh, and he has bungled uh, the the COVID uh, coronavirus, which is about to be resolved by a vaccine whose timing has right, right. Trump accelerated by a year. You know, I, it's just none of it hangs together very well. So, you look, it's a great country and it'll survive it. But I don't think that if Trump is coming in, I'm sorry, if Trump's going out and Biden's coming in, uh, uh, sensible people should be, you know, bracing themselves for for an exciting, uh, uh, you know, great leap <laughs> forward in, in, in American public life. Uh, uh, we're talking with Lord Conrad Black, a uh, historian and author, and his piece, which I'll put up there, is called No One Knows Who Won the Election. I, I think you're right about that, but I want to ask you, I, I mean, I think basically in much of these states it's a tie or or we don't know. But I want to ask you about this, because you know the media, you know communication. This effort to full-on press to tell the American people concession is now the the holy act that republic uh, that uh, Trump must do but also you and me you you and I must concede too and if we're not we're bad people i guess what i want to ask you two things one is the media has very little credibility at this point but they're ramp they're rabid to make this happen to get to move on and you know I, I have two thoughts about it one is they just like manipulating the american people they're hooked on it and also they worry that there might be something really wrong here and they better get this done it would be better to have you know, cave in and then keep talking. What's your thoughts? Uh, not only that, but of course, that is exactly the opposite of what they did. They've never to this day acknowledged that Trump won the last election. From from the day after the last election, they declared a resistance, which per- practically all of them were members of, uh, and it led right. them to the absolute desecration and mockery of, of journalistic standards. Comment became reporting, and, and a great many stories were simply invented. You know, a, a, a man who virtually swept the floors of Homeland Security was elevated as an anonymous squealer on the Trump administration to be a senior White House official. I mean, they just made it up. The night before the election, Joe Biden was mouthing that nonsense about Trump having referred to American war dead as losers uh, and and suckers, which he never did. It was a totally false story. Uh, They they Mm -hmm. labored the public for two and a half years with that nonsense about Russian collusion. There was nothing there. There was never a word of apology. From from the media and coming up to this election, they, they peppered us with with, with unfounded uh, arguments that the Russians were going to right. influence the election. Which Congressman Clyburn, their third ranking member of the House of Representatives, who salvaged Joe Biden from the ash heap at the South Carolina primary in March, he still believes it and thinks that Putin is calling the tune in the <laughs> Trump administration. Yeah, they, that's amazing. They, they it stormed is. and raged at the postmaster general for pressing voters. Well, we haven't heard any of that. Um, as they <laughs> flooded the mails with phony ballots. I mean, the, it is dangerous, Ed, when the public has good reason to detest the press, and that's where we are now. Yeah. 85% yeah, of people don't, don't trust the press, and instead of telling all of us what to do and how to think, they should concentrate on recovering some degree of trust in the public because they've squandered it. Yeah. 
No, you're right. Uh, you're right about that. All right. Unfortunately, I'm out of time. We've got to have you back next week. Lord Conrad Black, read his stuff, American Greatness and Other Places, and read his books. Thank you, sir. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Ed. All right. We'll take a quick break and be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. When asked about the problems with big tech, you likely think about Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, and Google. But don't forget about the other titans of tech like Netflix. In reality, Netflix should be more of a concern because they combine the overbearing control of big tech with the cultural influence of Hollywood. Now that Netflix is teaming up with communist Chinese propagandists, it's far past time for us to speak up. For over a decade, the Chinese government has held more than a million of their own citizens captive in the Xinjiang province. The people, called Uyghurs, suffer tyrannical abuse in these massive prisons. They live in constant fear of being sent to so-called re-education camps. Women are forcibly sterilized and subjected to abortion. Prisoners are required to recite propaganda in order to receive food. Some of the lines they're required to say include, Religion is opium. Religion is bad. You must believe in the Communist Party. The world has proof of these terrible crimes. After all, you can't hide the genocidal incarceration of more than a million people. Yet some still choose to deny that the genocide is occurring. Such is the case with a Chinese author named Liu Xuxian, who adds to his genocide denial by serving as an apologist for China's evil one-child policy. And now Netflix is partnering with this genocide-denying author to adapt his best-selling trilogy called Three-Body Problem into a live-action series. No responsible American company should be promoting a genocide-denying communist. Netflix has a duty not only to American ideals of liberty, but also to the countless Uyghurs hurting and dying every day. If anything, Netflix should be making a documentary pointing out these abuses, not covering them up and promoting the abusers. Sadly, this is what we have come to expect from big tech and from Hollywood. They don't love liberty anymore. Just to sell a few more movie tickets or ads, they're willing to pander to a bully bent on stifling freedom forever. All hands are needed now if we're ever going to stop Chinese tyranny. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For 50 years, Mrs. Schlafly promoted grassroots efforts to rally conservatives. Today, you can harness the power of social media by going to phyllisschlafly.com and sharing these commentaries with friends across the country. Get started at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, I've got to get back to what we did in the past. It's called The Window. The Window. What you need 
to do, what you need to do, the window today. And I've just got to ask you, if you saw my Periscope earlier, you got the message. If you uh, if you were on my uh, call with my Eagle leaders a few hours ago, if you're one of my Eagle leaders, you got the message. Uh, but I'm going to do it again with you right now. I need to ask you, my fellow Americans, I need you to do two things, okay? What you need to do right now is I need you to get in touch. I call it phone a friend, fight fraud and phone a friend. Phone a friend right now today, okay? Number one, because there's too much at stake right now, the media is trying to bludgeon us down and make us think that we're losing and we should stop and I told you concede. I'm asking you, please, if you're listening to this, do two things for me, okay? Number one, you want to phone or email a Republican friend in office, Okay, not your buddy or someone, a a congressman, a state legislator, a county council member. I don't care whatever level that you're comfortable with. I call them up and say, I'm delivering a message. I need you to publicly stand up and stand with the president to get the fight, the fraud, count every legal vote and also ask those state legislators in the key states Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin. But even if you want to stick with Pennsylvania, but your Republican friend come out and say publicly in whatever form, put a statement out, do an interview, send an email, tweet it, Republican elected official and say, I stand with President Trump in fighting the fraud, counting every legal vote and that you want every single state legislature in these contested states to do an audit of every single vote, okay? That's the first thing I need you to do. You can pick who your friend is. Don't think that because you're the, the one you're thinking of, a Republican elected official, by the way, it doesn't have to be a friend, right? It could be your Republican elected official in your area, congressman, state legislator. It doesn't matter if he or she's in California or New Jersey or Massachusetts or Florida. You don't have, because the public recitation of support is what we need because... The media is spreading its concession propaganda effort to try to get people in far off places like, you know, you're in Northern California. There's a Republican uh, county uh, commissioner and they say, don't you think that the president should concede? And that guy says, yeah, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care. We want to buck everybody up and keep the momentum coming. Okay, that's number one. And if you want to, by the way, I'll give you the phone number for the United States Capitol switchboard. So you can just call up and you can say, I want to talk. I'll call right now. I want to call and pick whatever Republican. And if you're in California, you don't have a Republican senator. You don't have a Republican congressman you want. Go. You can call up Kevin McCarthy. Call the Capitol switchboard. It's 202-224-3121. 224-3121. Go to my Twitter feed and Facebook. You'll find it there. It's the Capitol Switchboard. 202-221-3121. You call up and you say, hey, can I get Kevin McCarthy's office? They'll connect you through. You leave a message. You say, hey, I'm, I'm an American citizen. Doesn't matter if you're not from his district or her state or whatever. Just leave the message. I, I stand with the president and we need you Republican elected official to stand up and stand with the president, count every vote, legal votes only, 
And then every state legislature encourage them, give them the encouragement to go ahead and audit every election. That's who needs to do it. The state legislatures are the ones in charge under the Constitution. We don't want the FBI. James Comey is a clown. We don't want uh, the, you know, the uh, the attorney general of California, Javier Becerra. He's a clown. We don't want any of those people. We want the state legislators to stand up. Okay, that's number one. Number two, I want to ask you to please consider going to be a part of some kind of rally this weekend, Saturday, whether it's a Trump train, a rally, whether you just take your Trump banner, you could take your American flag. I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. at the uh, at the Stop the Steal rally with hundreds of thousands of Americans at 12 noon East Coast time. But it doesn't matter wherever you are midday on Saturday, be seen be seen. There are rallies. There's rallies in every every county and every state. If you want to start your own rally, invite your friends over. You'll get people coming. We need to buck each other up. We need to see each other. We need to be seen. I was with, I told you at the beginning of the show, I was with Mark Levin this morning. I was with Ted Cruz this morning. They're both fighting. They, But Mark Levin gets you all fired up. I mean, Mark Levin is like, oh, let's go. Ted Cruz is much more sort of, uh, he's thinking about the, not just the politics. I mean, not, to, not the politics so much as the law and all these things. But both of them are fighters. Both, And they said, fight on. Fight on. So again, I'm asking you, if you're listening to this, if you're an Eagle leader, my colleagues, if you're a Republican activist, pro-life leader, if you're just a listener, wh- whoever you are, I'm asking you to please do two things. Again, phone or email a Republican elected official. Fight fraud, phone a friend. Phone a friend. Remember old Regis Feldman? He passed away last year. And call up and say, hey, we want you, Republican elected official, stand up with the president. Stand with President Trump publicly. Don't just tell me on the phone or leave me a message. Do it publicly. Email, tweet it, say it publicly. And then count every vote and audits of the votes by the state legislatures. Get the energy going, please. Backbone, build the backbone for the elected officials, whatever level. By the way, if you get excited about this, you can do as many as you want. You know, you can keep going. And don't forget, it's 202-224-3121. That's the U.S. Capitol switchboard. Call up Kevin McCarthy's office. Call up Ted Cruz's office. Doesn't matter. You don't have to be from their state or district. And the second thing I said is, please... Find a rally, a gathering point, find a way on Saturday, just at, you know, this Saturday, the 14th of November, to have your have your face seen, your voice seen out in public so people know. It's our chance to stand up and fight. Thank you to Noah for getting this great uh, program done and Joanna for helping with the great guests. We'll be back soon. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thanks for doing all this. We stand up together. Talk to you soon. <laughs> 